morning. We are so glad you're here. It is a beautiful day. We thank you for being here today. We're so grateful for the opportunity to be together. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We'd love to have you. I know that this is the time of year when people start going and coming with regard to vacation time. And so we want to encourage you to be safe in your travels. And we're very grateful for the opportunity to have downtime. But we trust that you'll be back here. If you were to take a vacation, you'll be back here soon. And so we pray that God will bless you in your journeys and throughout this summer. We're so thankful for the opportunity to be together. We're thankful for the privilege that we have to come together to sing, to pray, to study, to give, to partake of the Lord's Supper. It's a blessing to be a child of God and to enjoy fellowship with God and fellowship with people of like faith. I want to ask you to turn with me to the passage that Ray read a moment ago, Psalm 23. Today we're going to be talking about the shepherd's psalm. This is probably the most well-known chapter in the Bible. John 3.16 has a very special place in the hearts and lives of many people. It is often called the golden text of the Bible. Psalm 23 likewise occupies a very important place in the hearts and lives of people. I don't know how many times I have read Psalm 23 at a funeral service. The words that were penned by David centuries ago offer encouragement and comfort in life and, yes, even in death. I have lived with this psalm for the past few days, and I've tried to turn over in my mind time and again the rich meanings behind what David wrote many, many years ago. It is my conviction that David penned this psalm later in his life. And I have no doubt that as he looked back to his days as a shepherd, there were things that he thought about regarding his work and his guardianship as a shepherd, and that of the good shepherd, God the Father. Of course, Jesus in John chapter 10, as you well know, identified himself as the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. What I want to do is look at Psalm 23. I want you to think with me for a moment or two about what is recorded there for us. We've been looking, as you well know, at key chapters in Scripture. Today we're looking at a key chapter in the morning because I need a little bit more time. I'm not saying that I'm going to keep you here all night tonight, but I thought it would be better to do the lesson about servanthood tonight and look at Psalm 23 this morning. You know, when you look at Psalm 23, the first three verses, David the shepherd is talking about the shepherd. Beginning in verse 4, however, he begins talking to the shepherd. One writer, one Hebrew scholar, Noted that there are 55 Hebrew words in Psalm 23. 26 leading up to verse 4. 26 following. And he said, look at the emphasis. For you're with me. 
for your witness. I really believe the key to the chapter, the key to this psalm, is found not just in verse 4, but also in verse 1. When David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. To me, that says it all. We're talking about a gracious and good God who lavishes upon us so many, many blessings in this life. So I want to begin by talking about the provisions of the shepherd. And as you look at Psalm 23, David begins by saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. There are so many blessings that we enjoy in this life. There are physical and material blessings that we have that are, quite frankly, amazing. I did a Google search this past week. And I looked at the island of Jamaica. The, of the annual earnings, the, the annual, annual earnings income of those who live in Jamaica is a little over 5,000 U.S. dollars. In America in 2019, the average income about 68,000. We are blessed immeasurably in this country, aren't we? We talk about all the physical and material blessings that we enjoy, and no doubt they're abundant. The Bible says in Psalm 68, 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits or blessings. James would say every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation or shadow of turning. The Bible over and over again reminds us of our blessings. You know Paul, when he stood before those people in Athens, it was the Apostle Paul said, speaking of God, He is the giver of all life, breath, and all things. It is in Him that we live and move and have our very being. We are blessed beyond measure. The picture of the psalmist here is that of rest. Rest and refreshment. I'm reminded of the words of the psalmist in Psalm 127. When he said, for so he gives his beloved sleep. God has created us. We have been made in his image and likeness. And one of the beautiful things about God is he has so equipped and made us. The body knows when we need rest. And so all the great blessings that we enjoy, the material blessings, the physical blessings, to get up in the morning and to have a sound mind, a sound body, to be able to hear audibly people talking to us, to see physically with our vision, to be able to use our limbs. What a great blessing. And all these blessings and favors we enjoy. So I'm reminded of our physical and material blessings, but then most importantly, what about our spiritual blessings? David in this psalm, he mentions the rest and not just the rest, but the restoration and renewal that comes. David said, listen to him in Psalm 23. 
23. In verse 3, he said, He restores three, my soul. He said, he restores my soul. mentioned a moment ago that I believe that this psalm was ago, penned later in David's life. We're all reminded, we're all well aware of the fact that David committed adultery with, with Bathsheba. And through that union, a child was conceived. That child later died. And in Psalm 51, David pours out his heart to God. And you remember David in the long ago would say, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. He would say, renew within me a steadfast spirit. Prefacing those statements by saying, wash me thoroughly. Cleanse me from my iniquity. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this great wickedness. David here is saying, look, there is a shepherd, there is a God in heaven who has the ability to bring about the restoration of my soul. And how grateful we are for all the blessings and favors that we enjoy today through the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. He would say the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. In this psalm, he pictures the shepherd's staff and crook. And that crook often used to retrieve a straying sheep. The Bible tells us in Psalm 53, talking about Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one who would come to bear the sins and iniquities of the human family. He would say, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We're blessed, aren't we? You know, in Ephesians 1, verse 3, Paul said, Every spiritual blessing resides in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So to obey the gospel and to be forgiven people, people that have been forgiven of all their sins, and to know that there's a God in heaven who will forgive and forget our past mistakes in the sense that He will no longer hold those against us. As the Hebrew writer affirmed in chapter 8, verse 12, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities, he said, I will remember no more. Now there's a second thought here. First, the provisions of the shepherd, but then secondly, the path of the shepherd. David said, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Aren't you grateful that we have a good shepherd who can safely lead us in this life? When I contemplate the good shepherd, the shepherd that David is talking about here, and I think what David is saying is that I can rely upon the leadership of God the shepherd. Do you trust God? Do you trust God with your life? Isn't it true that in a sense, we are entrusting our lives into the guardianship of the Lord? You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter's talking to people who are suffering for their faith. And he said, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls unto him who is a faithful creator. We are placing our lives in the hand of God. Now, David here is saying, look, 
God the shepherd leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's what Solomon said. Solomon, as you well know, the son. David the shepherd boy. Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And what will he do? He will direct your paths. Do you trust God? You know, life is often fraught with highs and lows, ups and downs, joys, successes. And then there are those times when we fail. There are times when life doesn't measure up maybe to the standard that we have hope for ourselves. But to know that we can put our trust in God. We can lean upon Him for leadership. David as a shepherd knew that those sheep were entrusted into his care. It was his job to direct them in a safe path, in a safe pathway, wasn't it? Don't we have that same assurance with God? Can we not trust God to lead us from earth to home? Sure we can. Learning to lean upon Him. Listen, Job faced a lot of difficulties in this life. There are a lot of folks would have, a lot of folks would have bailed out given the circumstances that Job faced in his life. Job trusted in the leadership of God. He relied upon the Lord because he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust Him. Do you trust Him like that? Not only must we rely upon His leadership, but I believe we ought to respect His leadership. God the shepherd is worthy of our respect. I mean, after all, we're placing our lives, our souls, in His hands. Hosea in chapter 14 in the long ago. Here's what the prophet said to the children of Israel. The ways of the Lord are right. And then he said, and the righteous walk in them. There are a lot of folks in our world today, they've written off this book we call the Bible. And yet I believe that God's Word was intended for our good. It's intended to be a blessing in our lives. You remember Paul said, all Scripture given by inspiration of God is what? It's profitable. In other words, it can bless our lives. David the psalmist, David the shepherd boy, he knew something about trusting and relying upon God. Listen, life doesn't always go as planned. Things come up. Things change. I was talking to Todd earlier. I said, one of the things that, one of the real challenges that we all face in life, one of the things that I'm battling with in my life right now, learning to take one day at a time, trusting God, not borrowing trouble for tomorrow because we don't know what lies ahead, do we? So when it's all said and done, all we can do is place our hands in the will of God. Allow Him to lead on. Because listen, I know wherever God leads, it's going to be right. I know His paths are right and true. Get me where I want to go. So, the provisions of the shepherd. The path of the shepherd. But then, thirdly, the presence of the shepherd. David said, 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Could I say today that we have the assurance the shepherd is with us not just in death but in life, isn't he? We have the promise, the luxury of knowing there is a God. The one who spoke this world into existence. The one who gave us His Word. The one who has given us promises time and again throughout His Word. We have a shepherd who has promised to stand by us in this life. And we've often talked about Joshua. General Joshua. He was the successor to Moses, the leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. When God said to Moses that he was to lead the people into the promised land, his goal was to get them into the promised land. But you well know that Moses wasn't, wasn't permitted to take the children of Israel into the promised land. Got to see it, but he didn't get to enter. Joshua. The successor to Moses had that responsibility laid upon him. God said in Joshua chapter 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. He said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And then here's what he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then in verse 9, he asked this question, Have I not commanded you? Do not be afraid. Be of good courage. And then he said, For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That promise is true today, isn't it? Where can we flee from the presence of God? I don't know of any place. Read Psalm 139. And listen to the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 13. God affirmed in the long ago, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This life brings about a lot of anxieties and worries and stresses and strains. There are times when our lives are turned upside down, but to know that there is a God in heaven, there is a good shepherd who is standing by us in this life, but not just in life, but also at death. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 2 talks about those who, through the fear of death, lived in a state of bondage. I've never died, you've never died. And there is this element of fear about stepping out into the great unknown. We've never been on the other side, have we? And yet God has clearly articulated the promises that await us on the other side. And David is saying as the shepherd, Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The reason is, he said, because you're with me. It ought to warm our soul to know that we don't have to die alone. That we don't have to die without one standing beside us and leading us down that corridor to the other side. In Luke 16, we read about the death of Lazarus. And you remember the Bible says the angels came and bore his soul to the Hadean realm. John wrote in Revelation chapter 14, verse 13, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, yes, is the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. I don't know how I'll die. I don't know how you'll die. 
Might be that we die of old age. Could be an accident. Could be a heart attack, a stroke. I mean, there are just so many varying ways people can die. But the fact of the matter is, we will die. But to know that, as David affirmed, we don't have to die alone, do we? I remember talking to a friend a while back. We were talking about some of the things that went on during World War II, the battlefields. It was said... And has, been said, said, and has been said that many of those, many of those, many young, those, soldiers many of those young soldiers who had been wounded, some, who had been wounded, some mortally wounded, they would die on the battlefield. They would die on the battlefield. But they said you could often hear could the cries of those young fellows crying out from the battlefield, and their cry the was for their, their mama. Was for their mama. They were crying for their mother. Now, I would imagine that during our formative years, the relationship that we build with our mother is unlike any other. There's this closeness, and I find it remarkable that on the battlefield they didn't cry for their dad. They cried for their mama. It might be that someone might die on the battlefield, but to know that they're not alone. The Lord is with them. He'll be with us. And then, consider with me, if you would, finally, the promises of God. Aren't you grateful for the promises of God? He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. He said, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He said, you anoint my head with oil, he and said, then listen to this. He said, my cup runs over. The blessings of God, the idea here is that of saturation. What David is saying is when it comes to the blessings of God, they are innumerable. I am saturated with the blessings of Almighty God. I live each day in the riches of His blessings. And David talks about being blanketed by the goodness of God. He said, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now just pause there for a minute. One writer, in looking at Psalm 23, he said the word follow there is really a weak translation of the idea that David is trying to impress upon his readers. He said, it's not as if God is following, following along behind us like a little puppy dog. But it's rather God is following hard behind us. He is pressing upon us. And He is constantly behind us. And His goodness and His mercy are following me wherever I go. You remember the psalmist David in Psalm 103? When he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. What's the song we sing from time to time? Count your many blessings, name them one by one. It'll surprise you what the Lord has done. How blessed we are, aren't we? That's what David's saying here. He's saying, listen, my cup runs over. 
I am filled to the full. You ever heard somebody say, you know, I've got more than I can say grace over? When it comes to the blessings of life, we have more than we can say grace over, don't we? I mean, we really can't, we really don't have the ability to verbalize all of the blessings that we enjoy each and every day. We're truly blanketed by the goodness of God. But then, there's another thought here. And that is one day we will bask in the glory of God. David said, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to mean something to us. This past week, as I thought about this psalm, I couldn't help but think back to when I was just a young fella in Chattanooga, Tennessee. My grandparents had a small home. It's not big, wasn't elaborate, wasn't fancy, but it was all they needed. And we used to have, used to have Christmas Eve, dinner at their home, presents to follow. And all these years later, I reflect back on that time. And I can see every nook and cranny in that house in my mind's eye. I can remember vividly sitting on my grandparents' porch and playing with my little, my little cars and toys. And I can just see it. That home hasn't been in our family in a long, long time. My grandparents have long since stepped out into eternity. And you know, I look forward one day to being at home. But it won't be home in Chattanooga. It'll be at home with the Lord. Don't you look forward to that? I mean, you think about what David's saying here. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Never again to die. Never again to hurt. Never again to sorrow. Never again to weep. I mean, all these blessings and favors. Doesn't it make what the Good Shepherd say? Doesn't it make it much sweeter and richer to us when we hear him say, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He said, If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. The Lord Jesus promised his disciples in the first century he was going to prepare a place for them. And you remember that in that context, Peter had affirmed that he would stand by the Lord even in death. Peter would later write, he would say that based upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have an inheritance, it is incorruptible, it is undefiled, and he said, it fades not away, it is reserved in heaven for you, to be home with the Lord one day. If you read the writings of Paul, you know where he wanted to be. His heart was in heaven, wasn't it? You remember, Paul would say, to live is Christ, to die is gain, to depart and be with Christ far better. 
talk to you, Christ fought better. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. David. That young shepherd boy grew up to be a great king. Made his share of mistakes. But David, this young shepherd boy, looked to the Lord as his shepherd. David said, let me tell you what, there's coming a day I will dwell in God's house forevermore. I hope that's where you're headed today. I hope that you're living in such a way so that one day when you step out into eternity, you're going to be welcomed home by the Lord and by His people. I'd like to think when we cross over, we stand in the presence of God. We can welcome all who cross the Jordan. And you say, welcome home. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're here today and you're not a Christian. To know that Jesus, know that the Good Shepherd, Jesus, the good gave, shepherd his life for you. gave His life for you. I want you to be in heaven. God's not willing that any should perish, but that, that all should come, should, come perish, but that should come to repentance. God desires all men desires to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So please don't leave here today. Thinking that there is a God in heaven who is not concerned about your spiritual well-being. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would be willing to repent of your sins and confess His name before others and be buried with Him in baptism, the assurance is all of your sins will be washed away, Acts 2.38. And God will put you in the church, Acts 2.47. Then to be faithful until death, to hear those words one day, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you here today and maybe your life's not what it ought to be? Could we pray with you and for you? To know that God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.